All right. So in this vein of talking about American culture and how American culture has changed and adapted in the craziness of this technology age and AI and all of these things, there's been a lot that has happened. As we explain this, these are things that those of you who live in America, you understand, you see it, you are part of it. If you work here, you see this craziness that has happened post-COVID and during the AI time. We are just going to explain it for those who do know and those who don't. It is helpful to listen to this, especially to listen to somebody speak about it natively. So from this American dream, the stereotypical American dream and how that has shifted, we have this desire to have this work-life balance. This is something that you have probably heard a lot in YouTube videos or heard on podcasts or you have read it in blogs. This is something that the millennial generation especially is obsessed about. They are always trying to find ways to work less and live more. They really want to have their cake and eat it too. Like COVID has changed the game. Since we are technically millennials, we also identify with this a little bit, but we enjoy the benefits of working from home. And there was a clear break when COVID happened because there's a rise in need for working from home. Like with COVID and lockdowns happening and being kind of a regular occurrence with the scares and stuff like that. What it became was a necessity. We have to have some means by which we can continue to work even if there's a COVID breakout or something like that. And thankfully, the modern American economy is mostly service-based. So you have your programmers, you have teachers, you have curriculum developers, you have people doing podcasts and content creation, but you also have a lot of writers and you have a lot of marketing teams, website designers, things of this nature. All of these are service-based industries, and they can be done from anywhere that there is a solid internet connection. It's cool to just take a step back and realize how resilient economies can be. Obviously, there's fallout. Obviously, it didn't promote the American economy a great deal. But what was really cool is that it didn't completely collapse it. Like everybody was kind of discussing it at the time. They were like, this is basically the end of the world. And it wasn't. It prioritized some services over products and some businesses it became very difficult to do. But other businesses, like you were just mentioning, they adapted and life went on. Programmers could still program and teachers could teach online. Was it the same? No. Was it less efficient? Definitely. But we adapted and that's a really cool thing. So because of that, employers had this need, this desire, this demand to continue working, continue to produce services or products but to figure out another way to do that. The two ways that they did this was working from home and hybrid work. So for these service industries, a lot of them were able to work their nine to five online at home and they could almost do it any time of day. As long as the tasks are done, they couldn't early on at least make sure you were there on certain times of day, you were available at certain times of day. They couldn't always enforce that. What mattered is that the work got done because it was an emergency situation during COVID. Now, over time, and especially now, we have programs where they can track how much your mouse is moving around. They can make sure that you're spending a certain amount of time in each of the applications required at work on your work laptop, whatever that is. They can track you now quite heavily. But early on, because of the emergency situation, everything shut down. It was kind of up to you, just how you spend your time, as long as you clocked your hours and you got your responsibilities done. What this meant in terms of the family unit in America is that if an employee had young children, they could be with their kids while their kids were awake and work during naps or screen time or in the evenings after the kids went to bed, which was huge. That was not 
done very well before. I mean, you had your preschools shut down, your schools shut down. People had to be home for their kids, even if their job was still technically involving them going to work to a physical workplace. They couldn't because a lot of them had kids at home. So here you had the shift, and it's one that has been very slowly releasing post-COVID. This is what millennials were kind of hoping for in a way. In a way, especially at first, they just ate this up. Working remotely was possible and in demand for many desk jobs like programming, sales, customer service, information, and website development. Companies were not keen on the idea until the coronavirus pandemic. Once the world shut down, remote work became necessary for every industry that could possibly switch to an online environment. On the one hand, amazing things happen. Employees gained the flexibility of remote work plus the benefits of a traditional job. They could work from the comfort of their own home or travel while working online, especially now that after COVID, traveling while working online has become a thing again. It was before digital nomadism, if you're looking for the term, but it's come back now that the coronavirus pandemic restrictions have been dropped for the most part for travel. For others, this meant a better family life at home or more opportunities or a healthier mindset and no commute, more time for exercising, whatever it is. Especially people who were traveling for an hour or two hours to work in the mornings and back from work in the evenings, they all of a sudden had all of that time back. So it was a very interesting shift that happened in American culture with this. On the other hand, some terrible things happened. For example, this gave the loneliness epidemic a lot of strength. It was really difficult for some. Health issues increased across the board. Individuals just trusted society and each other less. And some people didn't leave home for days, even after the pandemic rules lifted. So you have this kind of taste of the freedom that could come with working from home. But you also lose the structure that a lot of people really relied on, honestly. They relied on that commute back and forth to kind of give them structure. They relied on that office environment to make sure that they did work on time and well. And companies started to struggle with employee retention, quality of work, and maintaining that vibrant company culture. Companies honestly wanted their employees to come back to work. But now, with that taste of freedom, a lot of employees didn't really want to, and they were willing to change jobs to keep their location autonomy. Not across the board, but there was quite a few that said, if this job gives me the ability to work from home, that is the clinch pen. That is the thing. That is the reason why I would choose this job instead of another one. So what can businesses do here? What they did is a lot of them tried to do a compromise. While some companies decided to keep their employees remote, others decided to meet their employees halfway. They created hybrid positions requiring a few days at work physically and a few days of remote work. Now, typically this looks like three days in the office and two days at home or three days on, three days off or two weeks in the office and two weeks at home. Employers determine a hybrid schedule based on the type of work, the company's unique culture and overall employee satisfaction and workload. Basically, they gave a lot of surveys and did some interviews, satisfaction surveys in order to figure out what exactly their employees were wanting and wanting to build that trust with their employees again, saying like, look, we we want to help you. We want to meet you halfway, but we need to also get things done. We need to have a culture here. We need people to feel like they belong. And the only way that happens is by physically being there. So in trying to work this out, it's created a lot of interesting dynamics. Because in most hybrid work, employees are asked still to work a certain number of hours while at home, regardless of when that happens. The same as fully remote work. And in the office, they have to come during normal business hours. So you have this structure 
and no structure. You have the, you can work your hours whenever you need to when you're at home, but when you're at work, you need to be at work. Interestingly, this back and forth between free scheduling and regular office hours is actually really difficult to implement and really difficult to keep going post-COVID or post-COVID restrictions because people have the taste and they have the rules and it can lead to greater dissatisfaction. One thing to point out here is relative to the baby boomers and Gen X before them, millennials tend to work more. Part of this is the cost of living has increased so much. But another part of it is that there's a lot of side hustles, like monetizing your hobbies, trying to beat off or stave off this guilt for not doing enough or not being busy enough. So typically what it looks like in a millennial family with kids is that both parents work while the children go to school or daycare. Now, this is if there are two parents in the home. It is quite common for millennials to have a side hustle or multiple streams of income for fear of losing their main source of income, right? They want to not be making zero in that case. They want to have something that they can build up and have a full income again. Or maybe they also have another part-time job. There's no trust or reliance necessarily in the economy among the millennials and younger generations. They want to have multiple ways to make money in case something like COVID happens again. So when companies began asking their employees to return to the office for three days a week, it really threw a monkey wrench in all this scheduling that millennials had built for themselves. They had too much going on. They couldn't throw their clothes in the laundry. They couldn't meet their kids when they were sick. They couldn't run their side hustle. It was a real problem. And since Americans don't typically rely on grandparents or family members very much, simple life situations started to greatly interrupt this delicate schedule. You have things like sick kids and maternity leave, personal sickness, anxiety, visitors, doctor's appointments, dentist visits, home maintenance or repairs. There was a lot of things that normally wouldn't be a big deal. Normally, you could ask for a sick day. Normally, you could, you know, not have to worry about it so much, but the kids are still at school. You can get things done. You can check kids out from school to get them to a doctor's appointment. But the problem was, is that we had gotten so good juggling these schedules that all of a sudden, when one thing broke, it broke the other thing. For sure. This is something that we have seen time and time again among those in our own generation. We've seen it with those around us, even in the generation that's up and coming under us that have their own kids already. They're married. They have jobs. They're doing the same thing. He's working. She's working. They've got a lot going on. The kids are in school or not in school. It, it all really shapes a lot of things. So you have this, we call it like a hustle culture in America. And it's not meaning hustling as in doing crimes, trying to take advantage of people. It's more about just go, go, go. And you have to keep going and you have to keep scraping and scrounging and going and working hard until ideally you're going to get somewhere. And where that somewhere is, is the question. Everybody has it a little bit differently. It's not near as standardized as it used to be. It's not all the same goal. Some people, they don't want to have a house. They just want to rent. Whatever their rich life is, if you will, is to have no major debts, no major attachments to anything. They just want to be able to get up and go whenever they're ready to. And yet other people, their goal is to have a farm and have kids and homeschool those kids and have a couple of businesses that they run. There's so many different pictures out there of what life looks like now. And it's all possible. That's the thing. Post-COVID, all of that is possible now. Working from home online in a service-based industry is just as possible now as it is to hold a nine-to-five traditional job. You can do that. It's all possible. And so now, with the generations up and coming in America, we get to throw infinite possibilities at them and no clear goal, no clear, desirable, 
dream that everybody's striving for. No, it's you do you. That's what they're left with now. And that causes actually, surprisingly, a lot of difficulty because there's no real structure. There's no bounds outside of the law. As long as you don't break the law, I mean, you do you. And that might seem freeing and awesome, but for some Americans, that's scary and crippling. It causes a lot of anxiety and it causes loneliness and becoming a hermit. Because every time you fail at something you set out to do, it shuts you down. And it shouldn't. But who's going to make you stand up and go out into the world and keep going? Nothing will. Because everything's possible now. I think a good example of this is my older brother. He is a programmer. He's a software programmer for a very significant company. And he really likes what he does. He goes to work. He types on his computer. He writes helpful programs. He does the applications. And he finds it satisfying. Before COVID, it was an amazing workplace. There was actually quite a tight-knit company right. culture. They had softball tournaments. He was super actively involved. Post-COVID, they're really struggling to keep their people. Like they've had a lot of employees quit and leave all because there are other software companies that understand that programmers don't need to be in an office. And so the company specifically just built a $1 million building just for their employees as a way to kind of help continue to foster that company culture. Then COVID hit. And then they're left with the question, what do we do with this $1 million building? I have no idea how to use it and nobody wants to come back to the office. And so they're having to wrestle with the decision of do we make our people come back knowing that many will leave or do we let them have their way and deal with the $1 million bill that they have to then solve themselves. That was kind of macro, but my brother going into how he thinks about it is he's thinking along the same lines. He's thinking what is best for him in this situation. And what's best for him, in his opinion, is to have that flexibility. He wants to be able to do programming while he travels to England. He wants to do that programming while seeing his in-laws. He wants to do his programming while doing things around the house. He doesn't want to have to be in an office for five days a week, nine to five, because there's not a need for it. He can multitask and do other things. However, when he did have those things, one thing I can say for certain is that he wasn't this amazingly satisfied, happy individual. It was a matter of discipline for him to be able to sit in his office, which was connected to his gaming room or sit in his office while he had friends that were outside playing or he had to sit in his office while he had other things to do in life. And all he had to do was to step through that office door into his house and be able to do those things. And he couldn't because of the schedules that he has to do. It's that distance when compared to the nearness, that's kind of the strange part of hybrid, but also remote work that has led a lot of millennials to question whether or not this is even worth it. We know a lot of millennials, actually, that are on, in the other camp that say, no, I could not stay in my house anymore. I cannot do remote work anymore because I need the office hours. I need time away from those screaming kids that I didn't know that I had before COVID. I need my commute time for me to unwind so I don't come heavy laden to my family with all my work stress. I need that time. And so there's a lot of people that are in different areas. The big thing about this, the big thing about just American culture is that we didn't have to wrestle with this before. Before it was, this is a company. This is a company. It provides services. You go to it and you say, thank you. I appreciate the job. But now it's, is this a remote 
company? Is this a hybrid company or is this an in-office kind of company? There's these distinctions that happen. Choices have to be made in that matter and employees and real people, millennials specifically, are having to choose between these choices. And it's affecting not only just the millennials themselves, but also industries and the companies that are losing workers like my brother's company. And how are they going to deal with this shift post-COVID? So like I said at the beginning, this is something all of you are seeing to some extent, whether it's something you are in a traditional job and you're looking over at the younger generations thinking, what's wrong with you? Or you are part of the younger generations and you're saying, I get it. I feel this and I'm frustrated. Like, I don't know what to do with this. Or you might be somebody who's actually figured it out and you know yourself well enough and you know what you want in this life and where you're going. And for you, you're just taking what's available to you and making it work for you. Wherever you are, this is something that will help you have this backdrop to kind of understand what's going on here in America so that you can understand the slogans we have, so you can understand political campaigns when presidential candidates are trying to harp on these emotions and this confusion that these younger generations, these younger voter generations are feeling. You're going to hear a lot of this in election years. The way that they talk to us is the way that they know that we feel. They see the way that the economy and COVID and all the things that have happened and technology and its quick advancement of AI and how that's pinching us in a certain way. They know how to push those buttons emotionally. And if you're a foreigner and this is something that's not really going on that much in your country or you don't care if it's going on or not, this is something you might miss. But it's important to know that these are hot topics. These are buttons in America and it really does shape our language. There's a lot of ways that words are changing right now. The way that we speak right now is changing. The way that people speak on the internet with proper grammar or without, a lot of that is being shifted right now because of the way that people are not being held accountable by face-to-face communication. Formality is on its way out the door in a lot of ways. So it's one of those things to keep an eye on, to keep an ear out for, and to pay attention to as you watch the news, as you watch American TV, as you're listening to pop music here, books that are coming out and are on the New York Times bestseller list. They're there for a reason. They're there because they're connected to a culture and press a button in a certain way. That's how they get there. And that's how these things rank. So I hope this is helpful to you. I hope you enjoy it. If you guys have any questions or comments about this, let us know. Let us know in the live meetings. We are happy to answer them and we're happy to pursue these topics even more to help you better understand how to use your English. Absolutely, guys. Thank you so much for sticking with us on this podcast. Like she said, if you ever have any questions, feel free to email us. Feel free to reach out on Slack. And we hope that these topics that we talk about on the podcast help you communicate better. That is the purpose we want you to become more and more fluent every day. We'll catch you on the next one.